happening? Good Monday to all of you, and thanks for joining me on this first episode. That's right, the debut episode of the Nick Cattle Show on YouTube and Spotify. And We have a lot of Patriots and Eagles to talk about after that game yesterday. Some insights to Mac Jones, the game he played, what we saw from the defense. I'm not going to get into moral victories in that conversation today. Uh, that's been done a billion times elsewhere. I might touch on it tomorrow for a couple of minutes because I do have one overwhelming thought in my head when people talk about moral victories and all this stuff, those narratives, right? But I want to start with the football game. I want to start with the head coach because I, I think that's the most important takeaway from me was Bill Belichick's aggressiveness in this game in his fourth down decision-making. Now, Bill has long been somebody who would be deemed as conservative, and I think that's accurate. He has been a conservative head coach, and we've seen him time and time and time again on the plus side of the field decide to punt the football instead of go for it. We saw him lean on Nick Folk over and over and over again the past few years. Well, yesterday was a different story. Several instances where Belichick made the decision to go for it on fourth down, and a couple of those decisions I disagree with. Let's start off with the first one that I actually did agree with, and that was the fourth and eight. Now, fourth and eight, that made sense. You're looking at about a 54, 55-yard field goal from your rookie kicker. Go for it on fourth and eight. I think you have a better chance of converting that fourth and eight than going with the rookie kicker, 50-plus yard kick, his first field goal attempt in his NFL career. That would have been a tough, tough, tough situation that Chad Ryland was put into. So I don't disagree with Belichick going for it on fourth and eight. That was the first fourth down decision. I thought that was a good one. Then on fourth and three. Now, this is where I have a little bit of an issue. Fourth and three. You're down by eight points. And so if it's a three-minute left situation here, right? If you've got three minutes left, you have one timeout, you're kind of scrambling a little bit. I understand going forward on fourth and three from the Philadelphia 17-yard line, but you had nine minutes and 32 seconds left in this football game. Nine minutes and 32 seconds left in this game gives you more than enough opportunity to get the football back. Down by eight, I don't understand why you don't kick that field goal and take the points. Now, I get it. I heard back from some people on Twitter or X, whatever we call it nowadays, right, at Nick C Radio, if you want to follow me. Some people said, oh, well, Nick, he had to make the kick. Yeah, I understand that. Ryland would have to make the kick, and, of course, everything would have to play out the exact same way that it played out yesterday if you went for the field goal instead of going for it on fourth and three. I understand all of that. The first pushback that I have for all of you is if you drafted the guy in the fourth round and you moved up to draft him, when you put that kind of an investment into the kicker, then you best, you best trust that guy to make a 35-yard field goal. Because if not, why in the blue hell did you draft him in the fourth round? Why in the blue hell did you move up to draft him in the fourth round? Okay? Nine minutes and 32 seconds is a ton of time. A ton of time. 35-yard chip shot. He made a couple of extra points, right? You're talking about the difference of a couple of yards here and there. So if you trust him kicking the extra point, why would you not trust him to make a 35-yard field goal? Just doesn't add up. I didn't like the decision. Of course, it didn't work out. Turned over on downs. And when you get to the end of the game, now you need a touchdown instead of a field goal to win said game. And that's a gigantic difference. A gigantic difference. 
Another decision that Belichick made that I did not agree with was going for it on fourth and 17. And, and I know that he was on the radio this morning and he actually, I almost can't believe it. I was, I was stunned that Bill Belichick actually admitted regret. He regrets going for it on fourth and 17 from the Philadelphia 48 yard line, two minutes and 17 seconds on the clock. You had all three of your timeouts. So props to Belichick for admitting that he screwed up there. Props to him for saying that he regrets that decision and that he should have punted the football in that spot. Instead, you go for it on fourth and 17 at the Philly 48. Again, over two minutes left on the clock. You have all three of your timeouts. And, and here's the thing. I would understand going for these two fourth downs, fourth and three, and then fourth and 17. I would understand it more if your defense was struggling, but that wasn't the case. We'll get to the defense in a little bit, but obviously you were having tremendous success against Jalen Hurts. So why all of a sudden would you just not trust the defense? I don't understand that. I don't understand it. You trust your defense. You roll with it. You say, no, we're going to stop them. We're going to come up with a, a three and out against this offense because we've done it several times since the first quarter. I believe my defense is getting pressure on Jalen Hurts. I think we're going to do enough to get these guys off the field. We'll get the ball back. We'll be down by five, and we'll go for it. Now, 48-yard line of Philly, if you punt and you pin them, you got all three timeouts and the two-minute warning with hopefully, if Barringer does the job, with Jalen Hurts' back to the end zone. So I, I did not understand those two decisions. Now, here's what else I would say. There is a silver lining or two that you could take from those decisions by Belichick. Number one was that Belichick, especially the first time around on the fourth and three, he showed conviction. And whether you or I agree or disagree with the decision, and again, I disagreed with going for it on fourth and three there, but whether you agreed or disagreed, here's the thing that I love to see. Conviction from the head coach. And why do I know that Belichick was committed to going for it on fourth and three? Because look at the third and three play call from Bill O'Brien. You don't run the football in between the tackles on third and three if you're not going for it on fourth and three. Belichick knew. Bill O'Brien knew. Mac Jones knew. They were going for it if they were failing to convert that third and three run play, which they did. I'll get to that a little bit later on. But that's the conviction. And I like when a head coach shows conviction. So that's a silver lining. Belichick committed to it. He was aggressive. He went for it. It didn't work out. But at least he showed the conviction. Also, I would say, if you want to look at the other side of this, Belichick also showed belief in, in Mac Jones. And how many times have we heard people talk about this relationship or lack thereof between the head coach and the starting quarterback? Franchise quarterback isn't loved by Bill Belichick. Franchise quarterback doesn't love Bill Belichick. They don't smack each other in the ass and hug each other on the sidelines and all of that stuff, right? Belichick doesn't trust Mac Jones. Well, before the season kicked off, Belichick went public finally and had some nice things to say about Mac and said, hey, he's QB1. That was great to hear. And then yesterday, you could argue that Belichick put all the trust in Mac Jones. He looked at his quarterback and said, I think I have the quarterback that can convert on fourth and eight. That can convert on fourth and three. That can convert on fourth and 17. A little bit too much trust there from the coach. But if you are one of the people wondering if Belichick truly believes in his quarterback, you could show as evidence 
the decisions made by Bill Belichick yesterday on fourth down, trusting his quarterback to get the job done against one of the best defenses in the NFL and arguably the best defensive line in football, like we talked about last week, and everybody was ranting and raving about the 70 sacks. They had 15 more sacks than the second-placed team in the NFL last year. Eagles had 70. Second place was 55. I think it was the Chiefs. And they were also incredibly productive when it comes to pressuring the quarterback. So Belichick showed a little bit of trust in Mac Jones. He showed some conviction. It didn't work out. I disagreed with the fourth and three. I disagreed with the fourth and 17. I was fine with the fourth and eight. Before we get to the defense, I want to remind you, again, this is episode one, Nick Cattle Show, one-man band here. And all of the support that I can get from all of you would be huge. That means rate this podcast, rate this video, review it if you'd like. Hopefully, say nothing but good things. And of course, subscribe to the show as well. That will be just absolutely gigantic to get this thing off the ground. Nick Cattle Show here on YouTube and Spotify, episode one, talking about the Eagles beating the Patriots yesterday at Gillette 25 20. Let's talk about the defense. Because people are talking about this, this moral victory stuff. And again, I'm not going to dive into that moral victory narrative just yet. Probably touch on it tomorrow. But here's the thing I would say. You are actually allowed to watch a team lose a game, but take some good things from that game. It's actually possible. I know some people will tell you on the radio around here in Boston that it's not possible. I am here to tell you, you can actually feel good about certain things, even if your team lost. Okay, it's actually a possibility to do that. And I don't know how anybody walks away from this game yesterday and doesn't feel really good about this defense after what they saw. Think about everybody and the conversations we had. And I'm not saying that it was unjust. It was just. Think about last week's conversations when we were previewing this game. We were talking about a defense that didn't do well against mobile quarterbacks, a defense that took advantage of great matchups and bad quarterback play and backup quarterbacks. And the biggest question to me going into this game, because I feel like the offense is going to take a little bit of time. They were actually ahead of schedule to me yesterday. I was looking at the offense and said, it might take a few weeks to figure some things out, but defensively, defensively to me was the biggest question going into yesterday's game, because could this defense show you that they are better in the last couple of years against mobile quarterbacks. Would this defense show out against a good to very good offense? Could this defense do anything against this offensive line and these skill position players in this quarterback? Because if you go out there and you give up 30 plus points, you feel like there's been absolutely no improvement from the defensive side of the football. And whether you think this team is going to win six games or if you think they're going to win 10 or 11 games, I think all of us agree that the defense is the calling card of this team. This is not an offense that's going to give you 40 points a week, not even 30 points a week. This is a defensive first team. And so I needed to see that. I needed to see this defense go against a mobile quarterback with multiple weapons that can kill you. In any moment of any game, an offensive line that is seen as one of, if not the best offensive lines in football. In what we saw from this defense yesterday, I can't overstate it. And I know some people will listen and go, oh, honk, blah, blah. No, it's fact. 
The defense played great yesterday. Fact. Team lost. Wasn't a win. But you should feel really good about this defense. Philadelphia, 251 total yards. 251 total yards on the day. Jalen Hurts, Smith, Brown, Watkins, Goddard. Again, ridiculous offensive line. 251 total yards. That is a tremendous defensive effort from the Patriots. Eagles only scored 18 points. Wait a minute, what, Nick? 18 offensive points. You can't credit the pick six to Jalen Hurts. Mac Jones threw that pick six. That wasn't a touchdown pass. So offensively, the Eagles scored 18 points. They held the Eagles to 18 points. This was a team last year that consistently would put up 30 or more points. Week in and week out, they were absolutely eviscerating defenses across the NFL landscape. And here they are scoring only 18 points offensively against this Patriots defense. That is a hell of a day. A hell of a day from the Patriots defense. How many touchdowns did the Eagles score yesterday offensively against this defense? One. One. One single solitary touchdown scored. And do you know how long of a drive that was for that only touchdown of the day? 26 yards. After Zeke's fumble, Zeke fumbles, Eagles go 26 yards for their one and only offensive touchdown on the day. That is ridiculous. If you told me that this Patriots defense was going to hold the Eagles to 18 points scored on the offensive side, I would have told you the Patriots are going to win this game. My pregame prediction, by the way, was 27-20. Eagles, not too far off, 25-20. I would have told you the Patriots would win this game if you saw this defense holding that offense to 251 total yards and giving up only one single solitary offensive touchdown, I would have said victory, 1-0, Patriots, they might stun the football world right out of the gates. Of course, that didn't happen. So how are they able to do this? A few things. Number one, pass rush. And I've been talking about this on Twitter. I've been talking about this with Greg Bedard on our Patriots podcast that we do. You should check that out as well. You know, this pass rush... One of my three things that I felt really good about going into this season and made me feel optimistic that they could be a pretty tough team to beat was this defensive pass rush. And you saw it yesterday. Christian Barmore, by the way, according to Seth Walder, Barmore yesterday across the entire NFL, he was number three in pass rush win rate from defensive tackle position. So he was the third best Pass rushing defensive tackle in the NFL yesterday. Props to Christian Barmore. Overall, this pass rush, 41%. 41% pressure rate, which is just absolutely freaking absurd. A 41% pressure rate against, again, let's not forget, folks, against that offensive line. We're not talking about just any offensive line, okay? We're talking about one of the best offensive lines in football. I mean, that's, that's no joke. That is absolutely no joke when you look at that production from your defensive line. It's just, it's crazy production as a matter of fact. Getting after it, getting after Jalen Hurts, 41% pressure rate. 
Matthew Judon, according to Pro Football Focus, had six pressures. Barmore had four pressures. Josh Uche had four pressures. Keon White, who I thought flashed big time in his NFL debut. Limited snaps, but that dude was making a difference. Keon White had also four pressures. So Matthew Judon, six pressures. Barmore, Uche, and Keon White, all with four pressures. Tremendous pass rush by the Patriots yesterday. I also thought they were really good tackling, especially from their defensive backs, right? On that, on that third level, how many times did you see a safety or a cornerback come up and make the tackle? Christian Gonzalez had six or seven tackles yesterday and a sack on that corner blitz. Kyle Duggar would come up and make tackles. Jabril Peppers with the big stick to Jalen Hurts for the big-time fumble that we all wished would have resulted in points and a win for the Patriots. But I thought their defensive backs were excellent, rallying to the football, attacking downhill, and making sure tackles. How many broken tackles did the Eagles have yesterday? Not many at all. So pass rush, sure tackling. I I thought Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo did a great job when it comes to disguising the looks and what they did with the secondary. I think they confused Jalen Hurts. I think they confused the Eagles, you know, looking like they were going to go cover zero, and then they dropped back into zone coverage. They actually did send a a cover zero blitz. Uh, I think it was four times yesterday, so they mixed it up. They gave zone and man 50-50. Phil Perry said about 50-50 when it comes to the coverage. So they mixed things up. They disguised things really well. They attacked the quarterback and put pressure on Jalen Hurts, and they were very, very sure when it came to tackling and coming downhill and attacking the ball carriers. Jalen Hurts only a buck seventy in one touchdown. He had nine carries for thirty-seven yards. Again, all you got to do is think back to Justin Fields last year. You can think back to Mitchell freaking Trubisky just crushing this team with his legs a few years ago. This team, Josh Allen, over and over and over again, right? I mean, they weren't perfect against Hertz. Got away with a couple, but still, nine carries, 37 yards. That's a much better performance than we're used to against a mobile quarterback. Uh, also, the Eagles, under four yards a carry. So pass rush, tackling, good run defense, which was the biggest question to me about this defense coming into the season. To hold Philly under four yards a carry is tremendous. The Eagles were 4-13 and on third down. They were 1-2 for in the red zone. And do you realize that the longest drive of the day for the Eagles was their first drive? (laughs) Think about that. The longest drive of the game for the Eagles was their first drive, 61 yards off of the opening kickoff, which resulted in a field goal. By the way, that dude Jake Elliott, pretty damn good at kicking footballs. So the first drive of the game was their best drive. The Patriots after that, Shut them down, shut, shut them down pretty much. I just thought the defense was so damn good. They Multiple fourth quarter stops, which gave Mac Jones and that offense a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter. So when you needed a stop, they came up with a stop. They had three and out after three and out after three and out series. And we walked in, as I said, the number one question to me, could this defense limit a top quarterback? Could this defense limit somebody who was a dual threat? Could this defense with a rookie Christian Gonzalez on the outside do enough to slow down A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith? Check, check, chickity check, chickity check. The defense, I come out of this game feeling great about that side of the football. Jalen Hurts is seen as a top five quarterback in this league. And you did that to them? Longest drive was 61 yards and it was the first drive of the game? 
and you were able to do that against that team and that offensive line, you kept A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith both under 80 yards receiving. The Eagles had one play over 20 yards. And the TV broadcast showed it yesterday. The Eagles had like 80 plays for 20 or more yards last year. They survive. They thrive on big plays. You gave up one play over 20 yards. Great work. Great work. All right, before I get to Mac Jones, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe to this show. All the support from every single one of you means an awful lot to me. I don't have a big corporate business above me. You know, I don't have the push of a machine. This is just me, one man band. So everything you could do to help support this show, if you like what you're listening to or watching, it is much appreciated by me. It is the Nick Cattle Show here on YouTube and Spotify. We're going to try to get to Apple eventually as well. We're working out some of those kinks. All right, let's get to Mac. Because I thought Mac was very interesting yesterday. You know, watching him, uh, there was kind of the tale of two Macs. And if you ask me for an overall grade for Mac, I'd say somewhere hovering around a B minus, right? I think the first quarter, let's get it out of the way, was dreadful. Watching that first quarter, you, you had all of these, you know, thoughts of, of last year and all these mistakes and just a, a, a sloppy overall operation in the first quarter. You had penalties. You had the huge penalty on Dietrich Wise. You had a big penalty uh, on, on Duggar. You had uh, just, just so many mistakes. Dropped footballs, the pick six, the fumble by Zeke Elliott. Just too many bad, bad plays, bad throws, bad mistakes, bad flags, all that stuff. First quarter was dreadful. We can all agree on that. That – that was a putrid first quarter. Inexcusable, some of the things we saw out of the shoot. They looked like a team that wasn't ready to play, which is not ideal when you are actually playing. Not good. So the first quarter, I, I'd give Mac like an F. Second quarter, he was great. He went, what, 10 of 10, 11 for 11 with over 100 yards and a couple of touchdowns. In the second quarter, Mac was cooking. He had it going. Kendrick Bourne had it going. I, I thought Mack in the second quarter, that's some of the best football we've seen him play in quite a long time. So I got to give him an A-plus in the second quarter. Third quarter, I think he dropped down a bit a little bit again. But I'd say overall in the second half, I'd hover around. I don't know, a B-minus or so. So I thought overall, terrible first quarter, great second quarter, good second half. That's how I would look at Mack's day yesterday. 35-54, 316 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Um, th the reason why I'm hearing a lot of stuff about Max' performance yesterday, and I want to shoot some holes into those things that I've heard, but here's what I would say. When, when you're looking at a quarterback, you have to think about everything that goes into that guy's day. And what I mean by that is offensive line, run game, weather, all of those things. And considering some of the circumstances that Mac had to deal with yesterday against a defense and a defensive line, which is damn good. That defensive line, again, for anybody's money, the best defensive line in football, they couldn't run the ball. I think many of us walked into this game thinking that the Patriots would try to establish the run. I thought they'd play with an extra offensive lineman at times. I thought they would try to run the football down the throat of Philly. They could not run the ball yesterday. The Patriots averaged, what was it, three and a half yards per carry. Running backs, Zeke and Ramondre Stevenson, they averaged 2.8 yards per carry. 19 carries for 54 yards. 
This game was on Mac. This was all on Mac. This was all on Mac. 54 throws, 54 pass attempts, way too many because they couldn't run the ball. I, I can guarantee you that the game plan going in was not to run Elliott and Stevenson 19 total times combined. I could bet you that was not the game plan. This was a one-dimensional offense from beginning to end. This was all on Mac, all on Mac. And then you think about it. Devontae Parker, out, was his best receiver, according to all the reports at camp and in the preseason, best receiver, out. You got two offensive guards who are rookies, two guards that are rookies, right? You've got Mafi and you've got So out there. So you're missing your top receiver. You're missing your starting guards, including your best offensive lineman in Owenu. Juju Smith-Schuster, we'll get into this later on in the week at some point, hopefully tomorrow. But Juju Smith-Schuster, for all intents and purposes, gets benched in this game late. So Juju played at like half the snaps. So now you're missing your top receiver. And then you've got Juju, who is being sat down late in this game for whatever reason, whether it's his knee or, or, or he wasn't running the right routes, whatever the hell is going on with him. You're going against Philadelphia's defensive line. And I think a lot of people talk about this O-line. Look, all of us expected a train wreck with this O-line, especially when Owenu and Strange were both inactive. So I, I'm not going to kill the offensive line because it wasn't a train wreck. It wasn't absolutely freaking brutal. But it wasn't like the offensive line play was great. Phil Perry on the O-line, he wrote today, next-gen stats. Rookie Jalen Carter, who's going to be a beast, by the way, had six pressures on Mac Jones. There were two sacks that drove the Patriots back as well, one by Carter. Mark Daniels, Mass Live, on Twitter, about the offensive line, or on X. Rewatching this game. Does anybody call it X, by the way? Give me a break. Rewatching this game, and the Patriots' offense is going to be a lot better once Cole Strange and Michael Owenu are healthy. There were clear issues up the middle with both inside run plays and pass protection. Doug Kide from the Herald on Twitter. Antonio Maffi gave up seven pressures on 60 pass block snaps. Seven pressures on 60 pass block snaps. City So, Calvin Anderson, both allowed five pressures. So was it absolutely awful? Was Max sacked 10 times and it was like, oh my God, this is just horrible to watch? No, but Mac Jones was pressured. He was pressured a bunch in this game. There were several throws he had to make with guys around his feet and taking shots and looking straight down the barrel and delivering the football. So again, I remind you, no run game, no Devontae Parker. Juju Smith-Schuster plays half the snaps. You've got two offensive guards playing their first NFL games, giving up a, a, a bunch of pressure. Philly's defensive line was getting after Mac Jones. And because of the lack of a run game and all this pressure and how the defensive line was playing, guess what? You couldn't really call any play action. I think there might have been one play action call by Bill O'Brien the entire game because they couldn't run the damn football. Because they, they couldn't take time to let plays develop for the most part. So I think play action is going to be a pivotal part of this offense this year. Take that away. So Parker out. Juju, 50% of the snaps for whatever reason.
Young offensive line giving up a ton of heat. No play action to go to. Bad weather early on. The set of circumstances, and this is not to excuse some of the bad throws. Again, I gave Mac an F in the first quarter. I gave him about a B- minus for the entire game. But think about, context matters. I'm going to pound that during this show. As more and more of you listen and watch and join me Monday through Friday at 3 o'clock Eastern, I'm going to always say this, context matters. So when you talk about Mac Jones, you have to talk about the context of the offense that was surrounding Mac Jones yesterday against one of the best defenses in the league. Considering the circumstances, I think a B- minus or so is pretty damn fair. And I think walking out of that game saying, hey, Mac was, Mac was good, wasn't great, wasn't terrible, he was good, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair assessment of the quarterback position. One thing I thought Mac was great at was pocket movement. And he's not a spectacular athlete, but his ability to manipulate the pocket side to side, step up when he needs to, get around that pressure, get around that pass rush of the Eagles, he did that so many times yesterday. Like if you go back and you just watch him snap to snap and watch him move within the pocket to buy himself just that extra half a second to a second, critical multiple times in that game yesterday. And I also thought part of this as well, you know, did Mac make some bad throws? Yes, absolutely. The pick six was, was a bad throw. He he made four or five bad throws. The, the, the throw to Ezekiel Elliott, which ended up in the Elliott fumble, you can't fumble the ball, but that wasn't a great throw. A little screen pass, he threw it behind him. He misfired a number of times. But we also can't forget that his receivers were dropping the football. Juju had a drop. Kendrick Bourne had a huge drop in the fourth quarter, hit him right in the bread basket. He said in the postgame, it's a drop, can't have it. Kayshawn Booty still thinks he's obviously playing for LSU because he doesn't want to get two feet in bounds. What the hell was going on with that? So you had several drops. Like, how, how different would this game be? And we could play both sides. Like, the, the, the screen pass that was almost picked by Sweat could have been a pick six. Matt got away with that one. But how much does this game look different to start the second half, I, I, I hear people say, oh, they came out of halftime and they weren't ready. The offense wasn't ready in the third. What? Do, do we not forget that the first drive of the third quarter for this Patriots offense would have continued if Kayshawn Booty got two feet inbounds on a sideline pass downfield? That was a great throw by Mack. Get both feet in and you continue the momentum that you built in that second quarter. But on a third down, Booty can't get two feet in, and now you're left to punt the football. I, I, I've been told by people that Mac Jones had a couple of chances in the fourth quarter to win the game, and he failed to do so. Somewhat, kind of, yes. But what happens if Kendrick Bourne catches that football? That was a great throw by Mac. You want to talk about tight window? Tight window with somebody hitting him, and he delivers it between two eagles, and, it, and Bourne drops it. Now, there was a little bit of a karate chop. Ah! by the Eagles defensive back. But if Bourne catches that football, what happens? Might be a completely different fourth quarter. How about the final play of the game? If Booty can keep his feet in, I know he was pushed. I know he was pushed by the defensive back. That second one was a little bit better to deal with than the first time around. But what if Booty toe taps? That's a first down. That's a, that's a fourth and long conversion with the game on the line and a, a great throw by Mac Jones to Booty. 
So context matters. I, I thought, you know, when you, when you look at this heat and, and you look at all the pressure, pro football focus, if you're wondering, had Mac Jones with four big-time throws. Not one, not two, not three, but four big-time throws. If you're wondering, that's the third most so far in week one. Of course, we got Monday Night Football tonight. But Mac Jones had the third most big-time throws in the NFL yesterday. So let's just keep it fair. That's what we try to do here. Also like that he didn't let things roll downhill. You get down 16-0. A lot of that due to you. Again, terrible pick six. High throw to Bourne. Would have liked Bourne to catch it, but it's not a good throw. Uh, It was a terrible start for this team, and and I liked that Mac kind of stuck with it. Came back in that second quarter and, again, had one of his best quarters that I remember him having as a Patriot. And, and that does show a little bit of guts. That does show a little bit of mental fortitude. He didn't let things roll down the hill. I heard, you know, Ted Johnson, who, look, Ted, forget more football than I'll ever be able to learn. But I heard some of this narrative last night with he and Michael Holly about, you know, empty catches. Uh, I mean, empty calories because the running backs catching the football. What? That was part of the game plan. Part of the game plan was to get the backs to football in the passing game and and to try to do as much as you could with the quick passing game because of the Eagles' pass rush. I gave you the pass rush numbers. I gave you the pressure numbers. Mack was under pressure all day long. He didn't take a lot of sacks, but he was under a lot of pressure. And that was with the quick passing game. Throwing to a running back is not empty calories, if it's part of the game plan, that's ridiculous. We're gonna we want it both ways. We'd bitch and complain about the screen game not being there. Oh, they're not they're not calling enough screens. They're not involving their backs enough in the passing game. But yet, when they do throw to their backs, now we're gonna call it empty calories. Give me a break. Give me a freaking break with that. That was part of the game plan. Get the ball out quick. Get the ball out quick to running backs. Get the ball out quick to your receivers. They got Gasicki involved in the second half a little bit more. Got the ball out to him quickly. I also heard, again, that he got the ball twice and he failed. He got the ball twice, could have won the game. Well, yeah, his receivers, it would have been nice if they catch the football or kept their feet in bounds. Because that, that, that might have been the whole difference in the game. Kendrick Bourne catches that ball. Kayshawn Booty keeps his feet in bounds. What the hell are we talking about? He made plays. He made two big-time throws in two crucial spots. Was he perfect? No, he wasn't perfect. He also made a couple of head-scratching decisions in the fourth quarter. Again, B-. minus. But if Kendrick Bourne catches the football and Kayshawn Booty catches the football, we're not even talking about that. We're talking about how Mac Jones threw two absolutely perfect balls to his receivers in big time moments third and long with heat and getting hit and fourth and what was it 12 final play of the game those are big time throws big time throws he was the better quarterback yesterday he's not better than Jalen Hurts but yesterday he outplayed their guy and if Mac Jones can outplay the other quarterback in the majority of the games this year you should feel good about that because this is a gigantic season. You know, I heard all this stuff about how, how big of a season this was for Mac Jones. It's a huge season for Mac Jones. And when the guy goes out there and outplays Jalen Hurts, who's considered a top three to five quarterback in the league, you're not going to give him credit. 
You're going to throw empty calories out there? Oh, but this, oh, but that, oh, but this, oh, but that. No quarterback is perfect. Stop comparing the guy to Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. No quarterback is perfect. Jalen Hurts missed a few guys yesterday. Tony Romo talked about it. He missed Dallas Goddard three or four times yesterday. Even the best quarterbacks miss open receivers from time to time. Even the best quarterbacks make a couple bad throws a game. Patrick Mahomes led the league a couple of years ago in turnover-worthy plays. Nobody talked about it because we see the whirling dervish spin around, throw with his left hand, beautiful stuff. Mac Jones was better than Jalen Hurts yesterday. Period. End of sentence. And it's great that he has a play caller. I thought Bill O'Brien, for the most part, was awesome. I hated the third and three call that led to the fourth and three decision. Brought that up earlier. Stevenson up the middle when you can't run the football. Absolutely hated that play call. Awful. But for the most part, I thought O'Brien was really good. Really good. And maybe this team's ceiling is a little bit higher. But they have to build off of yesterday. You can't keep losing games like you lost yesterday. You can't keep losing games because you failed to execute late in the game. You failed to catch the football. You had all these little mistakes. You had some penalties that that literally took you out of field goal range, which would have made a huge difference on that final drive. Pop Douglas loses four yards on the third down, which takes you out of field goal range. At some point, you got to button up. You can't start by getting down 16 to nothing against the NFC champions. But yesterday's game had a good amount of positives you could take out of it, no matter what talking heads want to tell you. You could take a decent chunk of that game and feel pretty good about it, but they have to build off of it. If they build off of the positives from yesterday, that's where this team starts to look like a winning football team again. If we're talking about the same kind of stuff against Miami next weekend, it's just going to be Groundhog's Day with Bill Murray rolling around in bed and smacking that alarm clock. I also love to see Tom Brady back. Awesome. Patriot for life. That's the sound bite. Running down to the end zone, doing his let's go, wearing the jersey. It was a great moment. It was a great moment. Now, I wish they did more. I wish they dropped, you know, the jersey number down or something. It's a little weird to have that and say, oh, come back in June. You know, Kraft's going to make a little extra scottle. Concessions open that night for Tom Brady night. <laughs> I think it's like a Wednesday or something I heard. Uh, yeah, sell a couple of pops, right? Sell a couple of beers and some pizza. Fill that stadium on a June night. Why not? But I, it was great seeing Brady back. Uh, it wasn't great that the Patriots screwed up the audio and for the first two minutes. There was silence. That was not good. Somebody had one job to do for that halftime show and didn't do it well. But uh, a great moment for everybody that was there. A great moment for Patriots fans and a great moment for Brady. All right, episode one in the books. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Rate, review, and subscribe to this channel. Let's support this. Let's build this up. Let, let's really, really work on building this community, the Nick Cattle Show, YouTube, Spotify, hopefully coming soon to Apple as well. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody you know that loves Boston sports. We're going to cover Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics, Patriots on this pod Monday through Friday, 3 o'clock Eastern, episode one done. 
Looking forward to episode two tomorrow. Appreciate every single one of you for watching and listening to Nick Adderley.